chaos surrounds you, but you don't have to be chaotic. How can you be calm on the inside when everything around you is not? And you can. And it's easy. You just have to learn how. Someone just needs to teach you. Everyone has these superpowers within them. As physicians, you put on your cape every day. You're a superhero. But what people don't teach you is that you have superpowers and that you can control how you're feeling in any given moment. You just need to know how. You need to unleash those superpowers. <laughs> Hello and hola, friends. Welcome to the Medicine, Marriage, and Money podcast, the only podcast for dual physician couples who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a stronger and more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and a life coach, Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome, bienvenidos. Hello friends, this is Kate Mangona, your host on Medicine, Marriage, and Money. Today we are here with Dr. Robin Frankel-Tiger. She began her career as a diagnostic radiologist, fellowship trained in body imaging at Jefferson, and concentrated in women's imaging in her practice. While performing state-of-the-art procedures on her patients for 15 years, she realized that her job as a doctor was not enough. She needed more. So she then became a certified yoga teacher, certified eye rest meditation teacher, registered yoga therapist, and certified Reiki master teacher. She now integrates Western and Eastern medical teachings to decrease stress and increase overall well-being and longevity for herself, cancer thrivers, her fellow physicians, and more. She is a loving and supportive wife to a diagnostic radiologist and a mother to two strong adult children. Please welcome Dr. Robin Tiger. Thank you so much for coming today, Robin. Thank you for having me, Kate. And before we get into, you know, your journey as a yoga teacher, yoga therapist, we're going to start with my inaugural launch guest question, um, which is why I'm having you on the show to talk about marriage and and love and and, um, how that relates to your life. What is definition of marital interdependence and what does it take to achieve it and maintain it? In other words, simplified terms, what makes a successful marriage and how does it last? I would say that there's one very important word and that is friendship. Um, That friendship is the foundation of marriage. That certainly there's all that honeymoon stage and and all of that wonderfulness in the beginning, which does show its peaks and valleys through many years. So we're married just about 28 years this month. I'm really excited about that. But how many are 28? Yeah, in a couple of weeks, 28, we will be celebrating um, our 28th wedding anniversary happily. So thank you. But I think, you know, for us, Uh, Friendship is so important because that really is the foundation that you always fall back on. And um, I'd say that early in my marriage, uh, I read a book called The Five Languages of Love. Do you know that book? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So I read this book and it talks about, for those of you who don't know, that it's really important to understand how someone needs to be loved. 
And you actually need to also understand how you need to be loved. So the five languages talk about physical touch, physical gifts, the language, the words that you use, spending time, quality time, as well as doing kind deeds, kind things for the other person. And so really understanding your partner and knowing how they need to be loved and being able to express to your partner how you need to be loved. And so those are my takeaways for the 28 years that <laughs> we've been living together in love. Yeah. I love it. Okay. And so, okay, so you've been together for 28 years. Can you tell me, can we go back 28 years or even maybe longer to when you guys first met and tell me about that moment? Sure. Yeah. So we've been together, I think, 30, just about 30 years. And I was in my fourth year of medical school and I was doing mammography research. Um, at that time, um, we were one of the first institutions looking to see if computers can help detect cancer in mammograms, which were on film. <laughs> this is way before the digital age. And um, I wanted to see what another hospital, another residency looked like, because I really liked where I was in medical school. I was really considering staying, but I wanted to experience another program. And I had to stay local because that was where my research was. So I saw that there was this program about 15 minutes away, which is actually in the hospital where I was born. And that is the hospital where I met my husband, where my love was born as well. He was chief resident and he asked me for my phone number constantly <laughs> because that time we didn't have cell phones. And I was like, no, you know, I, this looks terrible. You know, I can't take the chief resident. I mean, what happens when match comes around? It's going to look really bad. But the very first time I met him, he was really kind. I remember him sitting, going over fluoro cases, and I was introduced to him. And he took me in the fluoro room and showed me how to use the equipment. And he tells people that he got behind me and was, you know, guiding my hand over the <laughs> during a barium swallow or something. But he just had this kindness about him, this ease about him, and that he was very, very funny and very smart. And I remember seeing him in conference, answering questions, and just being blown away by his confidence and his, his intelligence and his, his ease with life and, and his humor. And I went home that very first day and my roommate said, Hey, how was your first day and your, you know, your first rotation away? And I said, you know, I met this guy and he's the kind of guy you marry. But I was in my like, I'm not looking for a guy phase because I was, I needed to get my match at that time. It was, I think one in five, medical students matched in radiology and I wasn't going to let anything mess that up, but I, I had this inkling, <laughs> you know, and by the end of the four weeks after he hounded me for my number in front of lots of other residents at the lunch table, I gave him my phone number. <laughs> you were a med student. I was a med student. I was a fourth year med student. And uh, he did call me and um, ended up that we had mutual friends that lived right next door to him. And I checked in with them and they said that he was wonderful. And he ended up being the boy next door because he lived a few blocks away from me when we were growing up. And I never knew him. We went to the same high school. We had all the same teachers, but he was four years older. So we were never in the same school at the same time. So we actually ended up being the kind of the boy next door, the boy a couple blocks away. 
so crazy how life does that sometimes, right? Yeah. Okay. And you cut and you touched, okay. You touched on why you, I think, I think you touched on the reasons of why you fell in love, right? Like he was kind, funny, smart. And are these the same reasons you are still in love with them? Have they changed? Have they grown? They've just gotten better. <laughs> better. Yeah. Yeah. I would say they just, they're the same qualities. They just grow and grow with each, with each year. And, you know, it's, it has been, okay. So it has been 30 years. We know it, it's not all um, rainbows and sunshine. You know, you've had your your lows. And so how have you guys maintained such a strong, successful relationship? You know, as two physicians, you have two children, your, you know, your journey uh, through radiology and yoga therapy, how, how has that, how have you maintained that? I would say actually um, respect, respect for one another, um, allowing each other to grow and be the person that they want to be without feeling that we have to do the same thing all the time. We're very different people in a lot of different ways. We have lots of different interests. And I think it's really, really important that you allow your partner to be themselves, to grow in the way they want to grow, to support them in, in whatever they want to do, and, and just to be their best friend. And laugh a lot. <laughs> laugh a lot. That's how you, you opened it up is, is friendship, right? Friendship. And and then your how did your transition from radiologist to yoga therapist talk a little bit about that and how how that journey affected your relationship? Sure. So when I was in the last few years of medical practice, I really was in a dark place. I was very stressed, very anxious, I'm really trying to juggle everything. I had two young children. I was um, really feeling the pressures of having to do more in any given day than um, I felt comfortable doing more and more work and less time. Emphasis was being placed on RVUs, for example, and instead of quality, it was more quantity. Um, I just felt that medicine where I was going a different direction. And I developed a lot of physical ailments. I, I developed a lot of illnesses that I didn't actually understand at first. It wasn't all at once. I had migraine headaches and reflux and pain in my neck and my back and my hip and weird paresthesias. I had these weird areas of my body that would just go numb intermittently. It's very strange. During breast biopsies, for example, I'd be, my tech would say, Dr. Tiger, you're right there. And I'd say, okay, I'm going to pull the trigger. And my hand would just not feel right. After we've been doing breast biopsies for like years. It was, yes. And so I started seeing a lot of doctors, taking a lot of medications. I got depressed, um, had some dark thoughts. I was seeing a psychologist. And then I decided to do this intro to yoga class with my next door neighbor one year. For New Year's, that was what we were going to do. And I thought yoga was really weird. Okay, I thought it was this like people, you know, I'm a gym rat. Like I went to the gym. And people in yoga are standing on their heads and wearing weird clothes and twisting their bodies up into shapes that in radiology we know should not happen. <laughs> and I just wanted to try this, this new yoga thing that I kept hearing about. And so I took this, this class and it was a five-week course. And from the very first day, I just shifted. And it was amazing. 
Oh, no, this was to be a yoga teacher? This was my Yoga 101 five-week introductory class to yoga. This was my, like, my neighbor and I said, hey, why don't we try this? I saw this thing advertised, and I don't know. I keep hearing about this yoga, and I'm thinking maybe I should take a look at it further. And so I did. And I got up after my first session, and I just didn't know what happened. I felt unbelievably calm. I just felt a way that I'd never felt before that I could even remember. And my left brain, my doctor brain is like, I need to understand that more. Like, what is going on with this? What's the neurophysiology behind what is happening right now? And that was the beginning of my interest. Um, I went on to study to become a yoga teacher, not even thinking I would ever teach, just because I wanted to know more. And then I started reading the medical literature. And I started to see all this evidence-based literature out there demonstrating the effectiveness of these practices, yoga, meditation for people of all types of, that all types of illnesses and symptoms, like people with cancer in particular, that was a very important interest of mine, diagnosing cancer, giving results for years, wanting to do more. Um, People with trauma, people who had stress, people who had heart disease and diabetes and you name it, there were articles out there. And so I went on to study to become a yoga therapist, which for those of you who don't know, that's additional education. It's a three-year certification that requires at least a thousand hours. It's another year, another three years of residency, basically. It was. Meditation was another three years after that. So it was really a personal growth time. It was a time for me to learn how I could help other people the way that I was helped using evidence-based practices, teaching in a culturally sensitive way, teaching in a trauma-informed way, which is another very important piece to me that I went on to study. That was how it went. And I have to say that what I didn't mention was all of those symptoms went away. All of those illnesses, everything dissipated. No more medications, no more doctors, no more imaging studies, no more psychologists. All of what I was feeling was related to stress. So I learned that we all can control our stress response. We all can control our own neurophysiology, our own own psyche by these simple evidence-based tools. Wow, that's so awesome. I mean, even like for somebody like me, I was super passionate about yoga um, in medical school. And and when I became an attending, I went to yoga school. I did not do, you know, the six years like you did. But I went to like, you know, a couple months of yoga teachers training class. But we I did not learn these same things. Like these concepts, I don't even know about the medical literature out there. So this is so new to me. Somebody who I feel like I thought I knew a lot about yoga and I don't really think I do. And then okay, and then take it back home too. So like how did this, what did your husband think about all this? And how how did this affect your, you know, your marriage, the the, the whole transition? Well, I was really worried about my marriage. I was worried about everything. You know, my whole life was upside down. And as I learned these practices, and as I learned my own, had to own my own, my own neurophysiology, how I learned to control the stress response, to respond and not react, to really find peace in very chaotic moments, everything shifted. And my family noticed a difference. I was so much more present. I was able to actually hear and listen when people spoke to me. 
Uh, I no longer found us in the wrong airlines, uh, lines going on an airplane because before I had us in US Air and we're supposed to be in Air Jamaica because I couldn't remember you know, what airline we were supposed to be on. I didn't have us showing up for a show on the wrong day at the wrong time because I couldn't remember what the ticket said. You know, nothing worse than getting to a show and telling the usher that someone's in your seat only to learn that your ticket was for the day before. <laughs> so um, all of this went away and this amazing presence, this amazing calm came with all of these practices. And it wasn't just me. It wasn't just my family, but our house became the safe house. As our children grew and as their friends started to have their own family complications, their own deep, difficult situations that they were experiencing, whether it be abuse, whether it be family, you know, parents involved in drugs, our house became the safe house. And so many children found our house a place of comfort. And our house became like a hotel where frequently we have people sleeping over all the time um, because they just felt calm. They'd say, I really feel calm here. I really like being around you. You make me feel better just by being with you. Just just the energy. That is so special. And okay, I, I still I'm still blown away with this. This kind of reminds me of like how some people have found life coaching. You know, I mean this yoga therapy, it's, it's way more than just going to a yoga class. This is like a whole thought pro like a whole life I mean life changing the way you think, the way you feel, the way you other people you know do you practice this daily with him or separately does he do some of these yoga therapy uh, sessions with you yeah so I get asked that question a lot and the answer is no <laughs> so like I mentioned before it's really important to support your partner in whatever their interests are but you don't have to have the same interests so he hasn't practiced yoga meditation with me but he does constantly send me articles that he finds in the literature about the benefits of these practices. So he knows how good they are and he knows they're beneficial, but he has other things that he does for himself to help him get to the place that he wants to get to, whether it's gardening or walking the dog or other things that, you know, that work for him. But he's very supportive of me. Now, my children, sure. Particularly my daughter, she even wanted to go on a yoga retreat with me and I took her away to an ashram and we went on a yoga retreat together and she said that was one of the best things she'd, she'd ever done and she's begging me to go again. And both of my kids um, have my guided meditations on their cell phones. Uh, they have airdropped them over two college campuses. And, and so when I go to visit colleges, I'll hear, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I, I can sleep better. I'm not as anxious when I have to take my tests. I listen to you all the time. Uh, so it's really been a wonderful ripple effect that way. Wow. Okay. And so, and do you have any in particular, um, you know, what are the specific yoga practices? Do you wake up doing them, go to sleep doing them? Or is this something you're practicing constantly throughout the day? How does that work? Yeah, it really is part of your life. It's really not a one hour thing. It's really how you think, how you approach things, how you feel. Um, and I do start off my day every day before I even get out of bed. Take a few moments to just find some gratitude. And usually it's just 
feeling comfortable in my own bed. Isn't this amazing? My bed feels awesome. You know, look at this, you know, this calm place I'm in right now, that before you get up, that in between. And then I do a meditation. I sit and do meditation for at least 20 minutes. And I do a yoga practice. And sometimes it's shorter, sometimes it's longer. It really just depends on the time available. And then I work out. Because <laughs> like I said, I am still that gym rat. And it's still really, really important to get your physical fitness in. As I don't associate yoga with fitness. Yoga is uh, healing. It's a calming. It's a grounding modality as is meditation. And my workout is my physical fitness. So I do see them as two separate things. Now, there are lots of yoga practices that are for fitness. But for me, they have a wonderful integration and they work together to create a wholeness in my life. Okay. So your yoga practice, I mean, does that involve, so it involves meditation and thoughts. Does it involve um, doing postures as well? Yeah. So it involves calming breathing practices. So your breath can do four things. It can calm you down. It can elevate your mood. It can cool you and it can warm you. It's amazing. It's, and it's all your own physiology. So in the morning, frequently, I may have sort of some anxiety. Oh, what's today bringing? You know, it's not uncommon for people to wake up feeling kind of anxious, wake up feeling kind of stressed. So everything I do in the morning is to calm down, is to reset my nervous system. So the meditation, the sitting meditation that I do, maybe I'll add some affirmations, some statements of, of calm, um, the breath practices that I do, are for calming the movements. And the movements are very specific. They're somatic-based, so I'm certified in what's called somatic yoga. And the short of it is that you can move your body in a certain way to actually increase the resting length of your muscles so that you can feel more comfortable in your body. When we stretch our muscles, it's a stretch reflex, or our muscles stretch and they recontract like rubber band. But when you move in a certain way, in a somatic yoga kind of way, which is a different type of movement, you can actually lengthen your muscles and relieve any stress that you're feeling first thing in the morning. So that's a very important part of my practice. Again, it doesn't take a long time and it's really amazing. And then I just feel like a totally different person, ready to start the day, ready to, to confront anything that the day brings. Got it. And then you can show up, right, as the wife and the parent that you want, you want to be your best self. Yeah. Your best self for you, your best self for others. Really just being your best self is a great way to put it. And, um, you know, I'm sure you're, so I'm sure your husband noticed these changes, right? He said these articles, do you guys have, and besides from, you know, the yoga that helps you, what do you guys do together to grow as a couple together. So he doesn't do the, you know, the yoga practice you do. He has it's his own things. What do you guys do together to stay connected? Yeah, well, we love the outdoors. So we hike together. We love taking walks. So we take walks and we walk with our dog. We play games and our kids love to play games. So we like to play games, um, games that, that cause a lot of laughter. <laughs> games that we can do together, games that don't require necessarily any, this person has this knowledge more than this person. It's really more um, fun, you know, fun games. Um, 
And, you know, anything we can do to spend time together. We love to vacation together. We we plan vacations together. We plan a lot of family vacations together. And uh, it's just really you know, anything that we can do to spend quality time together outside of our individual interests. Okay, perfect. Let's just talk about, let's go back again to before you were the, before you were a yoga therapist. Let's talk a little bit about finances, because I know this probably affected, right, money coming in when you stopped doing theology. How did you guys talk about that? Like, how did you even start to say, okay, this income's going to stop? Like, were you, have you been always on the same financial page in terms of finances or was it a struggle? How did that look for you guys? Yeah. So certainly, um, you know, my stopping practicing medicine changed our income. But I have to say that one very, very important thing is that we're savers. When I first met my husband, even though he had been on internship and resident salaries, which were very low at the time, he was always a saver and was investing at that time, even in small amounts. And so no matter how much we made, starting out small and then getting more as our practices grew and became um, you know, more and more into our practices and our salaries grew, we always saved. And every month at the end of the month, we looked at what money was left over. And we have two accounts. We had the investment account and we had what we called the fun account. And so we would decide each month what's going into the investment account and what was going into the fun account. And the investment account also included putting money away for our kids' education because it was very important to us that our kids had their education completely paid for, whatever they wanted to do. And so that fun account was that extra money, and it didn't have any um, specifics to it. It was really just an open account for a whatever, you know, whether it's taking a vacation, whether it's putting the pool in, um, whatever it is, it made us feel comfortable to know that we had this, this pot of money that was sitting there for whatever we needed. So we didn't ever want to feel strapped that we didn't ever spend more than we had. We always had money that was available. Um, And so when I transitioned, it was actually my husband who was very, very supportive because I was concerned. Oh, my gosh. You know, like, what's going to happen now? And he reminded me of all of our savings. And he reminded me of our pots of money, right, that are sitting there. And interestingly enough, if you want to talk about synchronicity or karma, whatever you want to call it. He sat with me when I couldn't push the send button when I was applying for my yoga therapy certification. I was sitting there. I had filled out all the forms and I I put my credit card in and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I was, and he, he's like, you got to do this. Like, this is your calling. You know, you got to do this. You have to do this. And so I pushed it. And it went and I went, ah. and I was really, really still feeling this torn. Like, I'm so excited, but I don't really know if I want to invest this money right now because, you know, my doctor mind, money wasn't coming in. You know, should I be spending this? And then, you wouldn't believe this, a check comes in the mail. A check comes in the mail for the amount of money that it was going to cost for me to get my yoga therapy certification including, you know, my, my transportation, me having to stay on location, all of the costs of the, the, the courses themselves. What happened was back when I was a resident, there was a merger of two hospitals 
And apparently during that merger, they had some sort of mess up and they were taking out too many taxes during my residency. And they found where I was living and they sent me a check for the money and all the all the interest that had accrued over those like couple decades or whatever it was. And it came in the mail and I just, you know, my husband actually opened the mail. And he, he looked at this and I just, I just threw up my arms and said, okay. <laughs> like, From 15 years earlier? It was so, yeah, it was, I can't remember the exact number of years, but yeah. So it was all because they, the, the taxes were wrong during my residency and that plus interest covered completely my yoga therapy certification training. So I really felt at that point, it was, it was meant to be, I had to do it, right? That is incredible. Like who even gives back? I mean, I don't even know the hospital even do that now. Like, wow. Okay. And you, you brought up some very, very important points that I want our audience. I want to reiterate for our audience because, you know, you, you stopping your practice after 15 you, you had practiced for 15 years. You know, that, that is very important. And also you, you guys saved. You, you had a pot for investment, right? So many people thinking I might, you know, may think, oh, you know, well, you know, you're privileged because your husband is still working and you could stop at any point, right? And you know what a way you are. But the on the other side, you you were you were smart. I mean, you you saved your money. You may have nice things now, but when you're a medical student, when you're a resident, you knew, you know, you kind of saw the writing on the wall. Okay, I've got to save, right? I can't just spend everything I've got because in 15 years when I'm depressed and when my dream career and my dream job is not no longer my dream job, I may need a shift. So I think this is why it's so important now, like the whole um, burnout, the whole movement for financial independence. And, you know, not all physicians get it right now. Probably if they're listening to this podcast, they do, but you know, there's still a lot of people out there like, well, why, you know, why? I mean, you just got to enjoy your life now, but you know, you don't, you don't know. You may be, you may live for another 60 years and they might not be happy if, if you're in a, in a grind you don't want to be in. Right. It's true. And as doctors, we think, this is what we do. Like we don't change jobs like other people do all the time. Like this is what we do. And the thing is people do change jobs. So either they may add something to their existing job or they may change jobs completely. And that's okay. It happens. You know. But yeah, saving, 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 not spending more than you have, not getting into debt and still enjoying. Believe me, we enjoy. I mean, we did plenty of amazing things. We had a beautiful home. We had everything we could ever dream of, but, but we were very careful, you know, and that allowed me to make this transition and it allowed my husband to retire. He actually retired last year. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. So it created freedom for him when he was ready. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that is perfect. And, and the other thing I want to bring up is your, your practice of gratitude because you're saying you have all these good things, right? There are definitely people out there who have more. You may occasionally, you know, and the urge may come up to compare yourself. But from what I hear you explaining is you are grateful for what you have, right? And so that ultimately brings you joy and happiness to your to you and then to your marriage. It's like that Sheryl Crow song. You know that Sheryl Crow song? She says, um, it's not having what you want. It's wanting what you have. 
Wanting what you have. Exactly. Wait, say it again. <laughs> Let me remember what I just said. <laughs> it's not having what you want. It's wanting what you have. Wanting what you have. And that have isn't necessarily material. Like I said, when I'm in bed in the morning, I'm feeling, you know, when I wake up feeling a little bit anxious, despite all of my practices, it doesn't make the anxiety and stress go away. The education teaches you what to do with it when it comes on, right? So if I feel that way, the first thing I start to think about is I'm comfortable in my bed. I'm sensing this comfortable space. How lucky am I to be here in this, in this home with these loving people? You know, just that, those kinds of things. It doesn't have to be, it's not a diamond <laughs> or a Tesla or something like that. I'm talking just gratitude for, for things that you don't normally think about. You know, the food on your table, you know, the laughter of your children, you know, when your dog jumps on you to say hello. Oh, we all love that. I always say, I should probably be more like my dog and my husband. What would you, what kind of message do you have for those people who, who haven't found that yet? Yeah. Are you talking about who haven't found the relationship piece or haven't found the, the, the way to feel calm, to feel, you know, to feel grounded and. I think both, you know, like there are people who may feel stuck in their jobs and feel like they have to do it because they're providing for their family, right? And they don't have a choice. Right. So what I would say is that you may be, quote, stuck in your job in that you have to do your job. It isn't a choice. You need to provide. What we don't have to be stuck in is how you feel about your job every day, how you feel about your life every day how you approach your day each morning, how you approach your evening, how you feel when you go to sleep. All of those things can shift and make your feeling stuck in your job easier, not feeling stuck. Maybe you're in a box, but maybe two of the walls come down, right? So it's, it's a way that you can be with what is, no matter whatever is, whatever it is. And that comes through your self-care practices. And it's not just to say you need to do these things. It's really the education. It's the learning how that's been missing. And that's where I feel my obligation, my purpose comes in, is that I've made it my obligation to teach as many physicians as I can how to have that life how to approach the day differently, how to feel calm and grounded and in control and enjoy no matter what's going on. Yeah. Chaos surrounds you, but you don't have to be chaotic. You know, how can you be calm on the inside when everything around you is not? And you can. And it's easy. You just have to learn how. Someone just needs to teach you. Everyone has these superpowers within them. As physicians, you put on your cape every day. You're a superhero. But what people don't teach you is that you have superpowers and that you can control how you're feeling in any given moment. You just need to know how. You need to unleash those superpowers. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is perfect, Robin. Okay, so, and tell us, where can people find you? We know you have these superpowers. Yeah, yeah, I love sharing the superpowers. It's really, it's really amazing to share. And so I'm really excited right now that I am... Uh, starting a new um, practice called Stress-Free MD. Website's going up. 
And I've been recording a self-care program for physicians online, which is a self-paced online course called RX Inner Peace. And I'm recording a webinar to share the recipe with what I consider to be what you can do every day to find peace, to find grounding, to feel in control. And I have a free physicians-only Facebook page. And I started it just about two months ago. We have just under 400 physicians now, and it's growing every day. And that's called the Physician Self-Care Community. And so any physician anywhere, right now we've gone international, we have physicians from all over the world, and I teach free self-care tools on that page almost every day. Yeah, I have Yoga Heals for Life, which has been my yoga therapy practice. So right now, that is my content. The Yoga Heals for Life, that's separate. Yeah, so that's been my yoga therapy world the past eight years, and it's Yoga Heals the number four life. And I do have a website, yogahealsforlife.com. I'm creating something very specific for physicians because physicians, in my experience and teaching them and working with them over the years, they need things presented in a different way, maybe in smaller bite-sized education pieces. So when I teach, it's short, a few minutes, nothing more than 15 minutes, things that can be digested easily um, in a way that is presented so that you can learn those superpowers. So Yoga Heals for Life is still there. I support a lot of the cancer community. I support first responders. I travel and teach workshops for many different populations. But for the physicians, Stress-Free MD is for you. And that's what's coming up. So by the time this airs, you'll have all that information about you. Perfect. Oh my gosh. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Robin. Did you have anything else we didn't cover that you need, we need to talk about? Or? No, I think we covered a lot. Just know that I'm here to support you and answer any questions that you may have at any time. Okay, perfect. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for coming on with us today. Thank you so much, Dr. Tiger, for coming on my show. I am just so grateful for you. The four big take-home points from Dr. Robin Tiger. Number one, find gratitude before you even get out of bed. Before you even open your eyes, think about how comfortable your mattress and your bed sheets are, your comforter. Look out your window maybe, or just think about the sun or the moon outside your window. How grateful are you that that same sun and same moon are there every day to greet you. Be grateful for the people, the animals, the plants living inside your home. Number two, breathe. There is a reason why people tell us to breathe when we are stressed out because breathing can do four things for us. It can one, elevate our mood. It can two, calm us down. It can three, warm us, and four, cool us. Elevate your mood, calm you down, warm you, cool you. Not to mention the fact that it supplies all of the oxygen to your brain and every other organ in your body, which is the reason why you're living right now today and listening to this podcast. Number three, we invest and save because our dream job today, now, may not be 
our dream job in 15 years. Some people say, why do I need to save so much? Why do I need to invest so much? Why don't I just enjoy what I have right now? Okay. I mean, that's okay. If you have the luxury of doing that, you know, if you've got all the money in the world, if you've got other sources of income, and that's a whole nother subject. But what I'm trying to say is save and invest because you never know what the future holds, right? Do you have that magic ball? I know spending your money buys you things that can bring you joy and make you feel good in the moment. But saving and investing creates us freedom. Just think about that job today and whether you 100% know that that is going to be your dream job 20 years down the road. And number four, that beautiful quote Robin Tiger gave us from Sheryl Crow, it is not having what you want. It is wanting what you have. And thank you so much, friends, for being here on another episode of Medicine, Marriage, and Money. I appreciate you guys so much. I hope you walk away asking yourself, is stress causing my physical ailments? If so, how can I learn to respond instead of reacting to that stress? How can I find gratitude before I even get out of bed in the morning? Do I have what I want or want what I have? And what does that mean? Do I feel stuck in my job? And if so, why am I choosing to feel this way? And lastly, how can I approach my day in a more calm way, although everything else around me may be chaotic? And that's it. Thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you so much for sharing these episodes with your friends and family, for subscribing, for leaving us five-star reviews and typing them up on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please reach out to me. I am here to help. I truly, truly love you guys and want the best for everybody. This is why I'm doing this. I am trying to get other people's brilliance and wisdom out there because I do not possess it all. I never claim to possess it all, but everybody else has all these little golden nuggets and I just want to throw this into the world. And so please feel free to reach out to me on Facebook, on Instagram, on my website, medicinemarriageandmoney.com, where you can sign up for a coaching session with me or just a chat or just talk to me about what it's all about. Thank you so much. Please go spread your wings, fly, spread positivity and so much love to you and your spouse. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, or financial advice. The opinions provided on this podcast are those of myself or the invited guest alone. They do not represent the opinions of any particular institution. Always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor with any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan. This is for your entertainment only.